probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Welcome back to the Thing Minute Podcast. We discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from HarperWHarris.com, and joining me again today is... Spencer Perry, Associate Editor at ComingSoon.net. Thanks for uh, rounding out the week here with us, Spencer. Yeah, man. When when I was given the option of uh, uh, which which chunk of minutes I wanted to pick, it it came down to two scenes, and uh, so I, I picked this one. <laughs> yeah, I think there 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 were two two particular five minute chunks that were in extremely high demand for sure. Uh, so yeah, you definitely were lucky to get one of the one of the best ones here. So we are talking about minute thirty five of the thing, which begins with a uh, Blair making some more disgusted faces and making disgusting noises, and uh, ends a minute later with um, with Blair giving one of the dogs a shot of some kind, some kind of sedative or something. So we open again with with more uh, Wilford Brimley, just like really <laughs> going to town on on how gross this uh, this autopsy is. And you get a, a much better shot of the whole whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, that looks like you know that you could probably argue that that kind of thing that you see in this minute might be like it's actual alien face or, or, or right. some kind of alien face of something it imitated before. Like it doesn't really have very much in common with the dogs. Um, it seems like it's something totally different. Yeah. It's, it's, it's stuck between transforming from whatever it was into the dog. Yeah. Because, and, and really the only thing that's dog like in it is the teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which you, you know, are only kind of like a dog. <laughs> like yeah. just the fact that like a dog also has teeth. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, as he, you know, continues to just look at it and we get that very, very dramatic, it's not just a fade to black. It's a freeze frame fade to black. Oh, you're right. It is. <laughs> Which is even more. Kind of, it's like, I have to wonder why they went like, maybe they just ran out of footage. Like somebody called cut a little too early or something, but yeah, like the freeze frame seems a little out of place. They do it again later in the movie too, with, with Blair again, but yeah, it feels very much like a commercial break. Not like, yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily fit with the tone of the movie. Uh, well, there are a lot of fade outs in this movie. Um, and most of them work really well. Like they add to this kind of like, you know, moody atmosphere, but that one seems a little out of place to me. Is that one where the actual commercial break is in the TV version? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I don't, I don't think it is. I think think there might be one in between the the kennel and the autopsy. Actually, oh man, um, yeah, it seems <laughs> seems like a like an obvious place to do it. <laughs> but yeah, so then then after that, Blair launches into his whole explanation of what the thing is. So this is where the movie really unfolds into what it becomes for the rest of the rest of the movie, and somehow. Blair is is maybe like the world's top biologist because just based on peeling the skin back and looking at this one piece of bone structure or whatever, he immediately knows exactly what this creature is and, right. and what it does. <laughs> like just somehow knows everything about it based on that. <laughs> and uh, what's interesting about this one shot 
the one that the shot that opens right after the fade is you get more of that kind of oozy uh, goop kind of falling off of it. But then also like uh, just in terms of the colors, uh, going back to the colors again, there's like blue parts on it. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, I don't I don't know where the blue comes from. <laughs> yeah, that's I never really noticed that before. And it's hard. to. It, it, I the first looking at it, I thought maybe it was just some kind of reflection of the light, but it, I don't think it is. It does look kind of blue or purple. Which maybe maybe that's a really really subtle yeah. nod to um in the in the the short story that the that the movie's based on um who goes there they yeah. you see the they see the alien as it actually looks like like not you know in between transform transforming into something else and it has like blue tentacles for hair is like <laughs> the main kind of it's such a like kind of hokey classic sci fi thing to, to right. do that but. Yeah, so maybe that's like an extremely subtle callback to that. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that first shot, you've got like that dog, like an upside down dog face and like kind of a stretched out dog paw. And then you've something that looks kind of halfway in between like an intestine and a spinal cord over on the right. Right, yeah. And then just piles of goop and gore behind it. <laughs> yeah, like this thing's supposed to be burned. You wouldn't think it'd be this wet still. Like it's like... Yeah. <laughs> It's like they literally just and and you know I've I've read that um Rob Botin was like really really self-conscious about a lot of these effects and that he was always trying to convince Dean Cundy the cinematographer to like make it darker or to hide it stuff in some way cuz he was worried that it didn't look convincing. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing here he just like set up this, you know, this insane looking statue design that he created and then just dumped like six gallons of of KY jelly or whatever <laughs> on top of it to just make it a little more convincing. But yeah, it doesn't really make sense with the whole, the fact that it just got burned. You'd think it'd be like, there's, there's parts of it. Like you see a piece of a dog later that looks kind of like charred, but this stuff doesn't look burned at all. It's just like, I guess it's mostly kind of skinless, but I have to wonder if that's some sort of, uh, if you want to think about it, about it in terms of the actual biology of the thing, is it, is that some sort of reaction its body had to being burned is like excreting Uh. all of this to like protect itself even though it obviously did die yeah that's a good that's a good point i mean maybe it is some kind of like defensive reaction like it's to put out the fire or something like that yeah or or it's some kind of like anti-infection kind of thing too maybe (laughs) i don't know but yeah it is it's just like unbelievably goopy like just covered in this stuff like actively dripping and this seems like it's been a while since they got it too <laughs> right and when you compare it to how it looked when it fir- when they first cut to the autopsy scene when it's just like blood red covered in in blood and now it's just like shiny goopy <laughs> yeah well and maybe i never thought about it but i wonder if this is like after he's pulled all the skin off and like this is what was inside that like outer layer maybe or I- something yeah, I think that's what's happening is that uh, all of the things that we see on the table were the things that were inside the the big bloody sack at the start of the scene. Yeah, which is very uh, – just another part where this scene in the movie feels like it might fit in a Cronenberg movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very like kind of – I don't know, maybe hints at some kind of like pregnancy or womb kind of analogy or something. I don't know. Yeah, I never really thought about that, that you're seeing what, what is, was inside earlier. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, because when he's explaining how he thinks it works, uh, he he points out that inside of it were the three dogs that it's trying to absorb and then, I guess, uh, 
birth its its versions of the dogs. Yeah, and I, you know, I I don't know how you would. I don't think you can really uh, count them from the scenes, but there are definitely two different dog, like you know, the regular dogs that you see. There's this the burnt one that's kind of sticking out, or maybe maybe that one's already uh, been assimilated. But then you see parts of the other one that are just kind of laying on the table. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely you can see little bits of the dog here and there as they kind of it's it's really cool and they show those close-ups and they do kind of like that rack focus from like the kind of like gross outer parts that you you can't really distinguish what they are and then they kind of rack focus to something far yeah. away that's like clearly <laughs> just a dog's head like you know much more kind of earthbound I guess a dog's head laying next to what looks like a giant chicken foot <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah they do a lot with the the legs are very like. Like they're kind of dog-like, but yeah, that other one on the ground definitely does not look like a dog. You're right. It looks more <laughs> like some kind of dinosaur or something. <laughs> yeah, which actually reminds me, I like in this part when he's like uh, he's like pointing at something, he's like, like this, that's not dog. And then they cut to it and it's totally dog. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, maybe they maybe they cut that a little weird, but I love what he's pointing around with too, the, the pencil with the like little extra eraser like you'd use in like fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, something I had never uh, considered at all, but that I, I saw when I was preparing for this was that uh, a lot of people think because he touches the the mm-hmm. pencil, he touches the thing with the pencil and then puts it in his mouth, that that's how he starts to get assimilated. <laughs> yeah, I think there, I think there's an argument to be made that either here or or with the double face thing earlier, uh, somewhere in this section might be where Blair gets uh, gets infected because he's just so cavalier about like you know, not really being worried about it, even though I think even at this point, he knows that this one is still alive and yeah. d- and doesn't, it's just like, yeah, poking at it and like, <laughs> <laughs> just really not all that concerned, which is odd considering that, you know, as the movie goes on, he's the one who's like, who knows like how, just how serious the, the stakes are. And it's also kind of funny because uh, it, it's a guy that is probably in the process of becoming a thing that explains to them how the thing actually works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why he actually knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's somehow accessing the thing's knowledge before it totally uh, assimilates him or something like that. But yeah. This is, this is probably the part in the movie where to me, Blair becomes like the second most important character behind McCready. Like he's uh, I don't know how he's billed in the credits, but I think Wilford Brimley is probably the, you know, the second, second uh most supporting actor right behind um kurt russell for this movie because right here is where he becomes just super important to the plot and he's the only one that actually understands it and then obviously what happens all with him later you know he's he's definitely one that kind of stands out among the pack like mccready does yeah and you know he's just uh i love this because he's just so this whole scene is super quotable the whole I love the way the way he says that the uh it was trying to absorb them. <laughs> like an there's a couple of extra S's in there, I think. Yeah, and then the whole thing we, we were talking about before we started recording where uh uh finish doing what? Finish imitating these dogs. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, like weren't you listening to me? <laughs> yeah, come on now. Pay attention. Yeah, so this is this is a, a great kind of turning point in the movie and some some good uh Warford Brimley moments. There are some uh, some a couple of little interesting differences um, in the script for this part, and that um, this scene is actually much later in the script. It's it's after they discover the UFO, which I think actually makes a little more sense. Like the fact that Blair is so knowledgeable about this, I think would 
I'd be a little bit more believable if we'd already seen the UFO and kind of put those pieces together. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, I guess they haven't, you know, in the, in the timeline of the movie, it's like, they haven't really had the time to kind of figure that out or realize that they need to go back and watch all those VHS tapes to figure out where this thing came from up until this moment. <laughs> I don't know. There's also a weird bit in the script too, where Clark is like really shaken up, like, uh, as, as they're doing the autopsy, because obviously like, you know, a bunch of the dogs got killed and he's, he's the dog lover. Like that's his thing. Right. And, um, Nalls of all people is comforting Clark and telling him like, it's okay. The thing is dead. It's over. Like very, <laughs> very classic, like last five minutes of a horror movie. Like, you know, if anybody says it's over, it's not over. Like that's right. a surefire sign that it's not. <laughs> and that, that is interesting that that didn't make it into the scene because we really don't see what anyone else is thinking or doing it like this whole scene is all about blair yeah that's and, true and and dissecting the animal and like you know you, you can see everyone's faces as the camera sort of pans around the room but their reactions is not the focus of the scene no definitely not and yeah you're right that is for for a movie that really in a lot of places really relies on like 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 earlier when they're all looking at the double face body for the first time, that's like a, a one minute shot. There's no dialogue. It's just the camera panning around and seeing everybody's reactions. You don't really get that here. Right. And, and you don't get anybody else really having any input aside from, I think it was, is it Norris? It's either Norris or Bennings that asks him like, you know, the whole. Yeah, it's Norris. Yeah. The finish doing what line. But otherwise, nobody has any kind of input. They're all just like, you know, attentively listening, I guess. But yeah, it's just kind of strange. It doesn't, you know. You'd think they could have done some stuff with that. Maybe there could have been some interesting character development moments here for that, maybe. Well, and they haven't quite gotten to the point of the film where we, the audience, are suspecting that people in the camp. Yeah. And I, I feel like maybe if they had, this scene would have been a little bit more involved with all the other characters. Yeah, that's a good point. Like if I guess you're starting to kind of have that seed planted the the scene right after this actually when he's talking to Blair is really the first time where they kind of you know cast that suspicion i guess but yeah you're right you they haven't really made it you know outright known that a, one of them could be and probably is one of one of the things at this point cuz yeah then you definitely would get some like shifty-eyed looks from some of the characters to yeah. cast some suspicion if if that was the case i'm sure and also worth noting that the only two characters that speak in the scene do eventually become the thing. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, the the two people that are actually really engaged with understanding it are are two of the main ones that get that have the most uh, two of the most obscene uh, transformations too. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, speaking of obscene, uh, oh, actually no, I have a, another really good moment from the script that I, I really wish this had made it in. In the script, as a whole not like a subplot, but a whole other bit where earlier in the movie, you see Childs has, in, he works in the greenhouse and he's like, he's turned in like a hydroponic lab. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in this scene, um, Norris is like very different in the script. He's very like kind of, uh, he's like kind of got an attitude. He's always like making fun of people, which is su- super weird because in the movie, he's like super tame. The and opposite. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But yeah, there's a line here in the script where, while Blair is explaining this, Norris asks him uh, as Blair if he's gotten into child's weed. Which <laughs> 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 is kind of great. I, I think I like the voodoo bullshit line later better. <laughs> but uh, but this kind of has the same effect. But yeah, so in the, the TV version, this scene is all weird. I think I mentioned it a little bit last in the last minute where he talks about it would be three dogs instead of what you see now. And 
He talks about cellular growth that really just confuses the whole thing and does not make it any clearer. It, the other big difference is in this scene in the TV version is when he does when he tells them that it's still alive already. So that doesn't happen until later in the actual movie, but in the TV version, you get that right here when he says, um, Gary, act for whatever reason, says, uh, so what's our problem? Like, I guess he just assumes they've killed it. Yeah. And Blair's like, this thing's not dead yet. And they all jump back and, and get away. <laughs> and one, one shot in here that actually, to me, looks like it might belong in the TV version a little bit. That shot, the last shot before they cut to the dog kennel, where you're seeing the kind of that weird face again with yeah. the long teeth. I, I'm always, you know, looking at that, but in watching it minute by minute, I, I was watching in the background and watching Blair, and it's like the funniest thing in the world to me because <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's just Wilford Brimley like moving his head around and blinking and like like I don't know what he's doing back there. Like well, I, I wonder what John Carpenter was like uh, told him his motivation was. <laughs> it's like he's waiting for the scene to start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like they're, he's just like, ah, you know, act like you're thinking really hard. <laughs> and like, <laughs> it's just really kind of funny looking in the background. I don't know what he's doing back there. So we're here uh, at the the uh, the end of the the week here for uh, for you on the show. So one of the things I've been doing, kind of at the end of every every five minute chunk, is asking everybody um, at this point in the movie, based on what we've seen, who would you who do you think has been assimilated and, and who's still human at this point in the movie? Hmm. Well, I think Palmer is probably a thing at this point. Yeah. But and that's kind of a gimme too. Um, hmm. It's tough to say at this point because there's so many things that we haven't. There's so much time unaccounted for and, and stuff like that here at the beginning of the movie. When, right. When yeah. you're not really worried about watching everybody at all times. Because, yeah, I, I tend to think I feel like Blair probably does get infected sometime around this point And. You know, that really brings up another thing in that, you know, there's always a lot of debate on really how the thing works in that, you know, like what we saw with the dogs is more like kind of overt, like, like the thing turns into this creature and literally, you know, is trying to digest the animals and then imitate them. But like, right, it seems like with most of the humans, most of the time that happens, it's more like they get some kind of like viral infection and slowly turn into the thing. Because like that, that seems to be the only major explanation on how Blair gets infected. And unless you, you know, you could argue too, like when we were talking about how it, there might have been a part of it that escaped in the dog kennel, and maybe yeah. maybe that piece, you know, attacked him when he's locked out in the shack later. But otherwise, this is really the only time that makes sense for him to get infected. Yeah, I, th I think Blair is in the process of uh, of becoming infected. Whether that is as a result of handling the autopsy with the the horribly flimsy little gloves or putting the pencil <laughs> in his mouth right here yeah but uh this this scene is definitely right when you know palmer's already infected but everyone else is 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 getting there as of the dog kennel scene yeah and do you think you said so do you think palmer is the one the shed the person that with the shadow that the dog came in and attacked earlier uh, yeah, probably. I, I would have to go back and rewatch it again, but yeah. I, that that seems like the most likely to me. I do love that it's something that we have to discuss, though. Yeah, it's not something that we're we're just shown. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's it's definitely very kind of vague. The whole movie is like that, really, through through the whole thing. But yeah, I, th I think I tend to agree with you that I think I think Palmer is pro probably the one that got infected by the dog earlier because. 
Norris, obviously, we know is infected at some point between here and and uh, and the chest opening scene. But <laughs> to me, the fact that uh, obviously I'll talk about this when we get to those minutes more specifically. But the fact that he turns down the uh, the offer to be like the the leader of the camp, like the one who holds the gun later in the movie, tells me that he's not really fully assimilated at that point. So I, I tend yeah. to think he didn't get infected really early on, that that probably was Palmer, that he's pr- probably pretty close to being fully assimilated at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, always fun to uh, theorize and debate about about that because, yeah, famously, John Carpenter always says that he has no idea <laughs> when <laughs> when anybody gets infected. And although he has some pretty definite ideas about who is infected in the in the end of the movie or not. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm glad that that, you know, the most recent Blu-ray kind of, uh, actually gave a definitive answer as far as that, but you'll, you'll get to that minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm very, I'm excited to get to that. I'm, I'm trying to figure out a good way to kind of, uh, you know, I want to let people who have been guests on the show kind of weigh in on, on that in some way. Cause that's such a, that's such a key thing about this movie is the, the ending and what, how you, how you feel like the ending, uh, how it plays out, who's who and, and what it means. So yeah, still still figuring out the best way to do that. But <laughs> this this whole movie, that the mystery in the end of the movie is, you know, kind of begins here in this uh in the, these last couple minutes. So Yeah. Well man, I guess this is this is the last episode for you. So anything any last cracks of the bat or anything else you wanted to mention about the, the movie in general? Well, I mean everyone kind of says this, but it, it's just such a timeless movie and I, I, I don't know how many times I've seen it even before this, but even just watching these sequences, you know, over and over and over before we uh, even talked about them and then and then breaking them down as extensively as we did. It's, you know, not every horror movie can carry that much weight of a conversation. Yeah. And I, I think that that just really is a testament to how great this movie is. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely stands the test of time. And, you know, it's a movie that 35 years after it came out is still just as terrifying and well-crafted. And, <laughs> yes. you know, the special effects completely hold up. I, I mean, there may be a few moments here and there when, when it might look a little cheesy. But, I, you know, watching this movie, every time I watch it, I, I can't help but get, like, totally involved. And, you know, I never really think, you know, like, obviously we joke about how, like, ridiculously goopy this effect is or like (laughs) or how much once you know that that dog thing is a guy's arm like how you can't not see that but but really when i watch this movie like start to back like i I, that that stuff never crosses my mind like it's hard to not just get totally involved in it it's just such an absorbing movie (laughs) (laughs) so awesome well man thanks so much for being on this week on the podcast oh totally man thanks for having me yeah it's been fun so that will wrap us up for minute 35 and for this week. So um, if you like the show and want to support it, there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can go to the thingminute.com slash Amazon. And if you go, uh, if you go to Amazon through that uh, URL, then you'll shop just like you normally will on Amazon, but the podcast will get a small percentage of whatever you purchase at no extra cost to you. So you can even make that your bookmark and just use that whenever you use Amazon. That helps us out a lot. And you can also donate directly just by going to thethingminute.com and using the donate button that's at the bottom of the website. So every little bit helps cover the hosting fees and the website fees and everything like that. So anything you can uh, donate is majorly, hugely appreciated. So uh, we appreciate any listener who does that. I hope that everyone listening has a fantastic weekend. And if you're still human by Monday, make sure to come back for another episode of The Thing Minute.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to thethingminute.com. There you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on The Thing. You can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Thing Minute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com and be sure to head over to starwarsminute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper signing out.